Hey men, and welcome to another episode of Quality Manhood, a show meant for men who are seeking to understand how to apply God's truth in everyday life. I'm one of your hosts for the show, PJ Burner, along with my co-host, as always, Kellen Allen. What's up, guys? And we've got a special guest in studio today. We've got Hayden Thomas. Hayden, introduce yourself. Hey, fellas. My name is Hayden Thomas. I'm a pastor here at Compass Bible Church. I'm originally from the Dallas, Texas area. And, and, and that's a, a historic thing for us because not only are you from Texas, but Kellen, you're from Dallas, Texas as well. From Dallas, Texas, and, and I'm from Dallas, Texas. So <laughs> that means could, this is going to be a great show. We mm. could just spend the whole time just talking about Texas, but I think we would lose listeners. So that's fair. Um, we won't do that. But Hayden, talk to us a little bit about uh, what you do here at Compass. What are some of the ministries that you oversee? Yeah, the ministries that I oversee here at Compass, I, I do the evangelism and outreach ministry here. I do a single parent ministry here on Saturday evenings, and I also oversee a Camp Pendleton Marine ministry south of here. Awesome. So a, a big portion of your focus is evangelism, right. is reaching the lost. And that's what we're going to be talking about in, in this particular episode. Uh, but before we dive into that, we need to address an important thing, and that is, I know we're still like a week and a half out from Thanksgiving, but but we should, as Christian men, be listening to Christmas music in our households, yes? I agree with that. Okay. For sure. I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. But see, Hayden, you've gone one step further than, than Kellen and I have because you've actually put a, a, a tree up in your house. Yes, we have. My wife and I last week picked out our first ever family Christmas tree. We just got married in May, and so we decided to go all out this year and uh, by November 1st have our first Christmas tree in all its glory up in the living room. That sets a bold precedent, because now moving forward, it's going to be expected that November 1, you guys have a a Christmas tree up in your house. That seems to be the truth, yeah. Yeah. But you went with a fake tree. Kellen, what do you do? Do you fake or real? (laughs) That's a funny way to ask that question. Uh, I I faked until this year, and now I'm going real. Okay. Um, So I don't have a tree up, and they don't start selling real trees until after Thanksgiving. So I think they, they hold us off on that, but right after Thanksgiving, we'll be out there to get that real tree. That's a good call because you want the smell, you want the feel. I mean, you should have a real tree. Now, Pastor Hayden disagrees with this, don't you? Uh, for sure. You won't want a, a, a dying tree sitting in your home from, from November all the way through, I hope, mid-January if you're real into this Christmas thing. And, and that's fair, but I, I think you've even pushed back on it because as a former volunteer firefighter, which is also <laughs> an interesting tidbit about Hayden, uh, you equate having a, a living tree or a, a dying tree, uh, if you want to put it your way, uh, with <laughs> automatically house fires. Like that's going to happen no matter what. If you have a real tree, your your house is going to burn down. And so just public service announcement for you guys listening, mm. just beware of that. It, it comes from a, a former volunteer firefighter. If you have a real tree, uh, you might as well just kiss your house goodbye because it's going to burn down. Is that basically the, the logic there? Yeah, that's great. Only you can prevent house fires. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> By sticking with a fake tree. Well, we do a hybrid. We go with, a, with a, a fake tree and a real tree. The fake tree is for the kids. They get to put their ornaments on it and stuff like that, and then we've got a real one. Those are things you do when you have five kids, right? right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Two trees. You, you'll know eventually. Um, <laughs> Hey, so uh, again, like I said, guys, we're, we're here to talk about evangelism. And the reason why Christmas relates to that is, is not to get kitsch and, and, and you know, cliche with this whole concept of Jesus is the reason for the season, but, but honestly, that's, that's true. I mean, Christmas is about the birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and this is a great time of year for us to be thinking about evangelism. And as, as men, that's an area that we need to, as so many other areas are, that we need to take leadership in. Um, that we need to be taking the bull by the horns with our family, with our church, um, and making sure that, that we're on the front lines trying to see lost come to faith in Christ. And we need to seize upon this season in particular 
to make sure that the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel is getting out there. Mm. And so, uh, Pastor Hayden, I want to start with you. As you oversee our evangelism teams here, things like that, you know, Compass in, in our church and probably a lot of guys that are listening, maybe they're coming from more of a, a perspective of, of God's sovereignty over mm-hmm. something like salvation, mm-hmm. right? So there can be this mentality, this mindset that we develop that if God is sovereign, why do we even need to bother with something like evangelism? Isn't he going to save who he wants to save? Mm. Yeah, that's, that's true. And, I, and I, I have these conversations a lot uh, when I'm one-on-one talking with people about evangelism, especially uh, our men as a part of our church. But uh, one of the aspects of God that I bring up is that that he has so lovingly and graciously uh, invited us to be a part of redemptive history. And so of course, you know, God is going to call uh, those to himself who he's going to save, but, but God has, has given us a, a portion, it's a part in this, uh, for, that our obedience will, will, will allow uh, will grace, will allow uh, salvation to enter people's lives through our obedience to God. And of course, he's going to save people and he's going to bring people into his kingdom, uh, but the thing about God is he's allowed us to be a part of that. Yeah, and that is amazing, right? Uh, Kellen, what is it? Paul talks about in Romans 10, right? He says if, if they're going to hear, they need somebody to preach, right? So how does that factor in maybe to this concept of our role in reaching the lost, even though God is sovereign? Yeah, I think our, our role as Christians is to be more Christ-like. And when we think about Christ in the Bible, it's what, what did Christ do? He was all about sharing the gospel. I think about John 4, for example, when it, it says in verse 6, it says he was wearied from the journey. And, you know, he was in Samaria, and the woman at the well came up there, and he was tired. And, and we, can, we can empathize with that. Like, we're tired, we're hungry. Mm. It's like, man, I don't have time to share the gospel. But you look at Jesus in this instance where the disciples had went off, and they went to, to buy food, and he's there at the well, and this woman is there, and he looks at it as an opportunity. Of, I, th- there's nothing better right now for me to do than to share the good news of the gospel with her. And he does that. And so when we think about what does Christ do, how can we be better followers of Christ, the number one thing is sharing the gospel taking advantage of every situation that we have to share it and the people that are around us in our sphere of influence and giving them the good news of the gospel because Jesus did that. Right. Yeah. And and, and yes, foundationally, uh, fundamentally, doctrinally, God is sovereign over salvation. He is sovereign over um, over uh, over grace, over mercy, over opening the eyes of the, the blind so that they can understand and, and come to see uh, Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, but he wants to use us, as, as Hayden, as you were saying, in that process. And you described it, I love the way that you described it, it's, it's a privilege, right? It's a blessing for, for us to be a part of that process. Paul does say in, in Romans 10, he says, look, how are they, they going to hear? If, if, if they're going to be saved, they have to call on the name of the Lord. Well, how are they going to call on the name of the Lord if, if they never hear the name of the Lord? And how are they going to hear the name of the Lord if no one ever preaches to them? And how are they going to preach if they're never sent? And then he says that amazing statement, how beautiful are the feet of the one who brings good news. And mm-hmm. men, we need to be those men, as, as Kellen was saying. We need to follow Christ's example. We need to be looking for opportunities to share the gospel under every rock and around every corner and, uh, and seizing upon those opportunities. Another objection, though, sometimes that we get is not just hey, you know, God's sovereign. Uh, But people will say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Uh, Pastor Hayden, what is the gift of evangelism? How would you define that? Yeah, I think when they talk about the gift of evangelism, uh, people are thinking of Ephesians 4, 11, and they say, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. Uh, and, and here it's, it seems that it, this is, uh, is not just a, a gift, but this is an office in, in the church. And so, of course, not everyone is to hold an office in, in the church. And so we have to look at evangel- evangelism as, as, okay, there are people who are given the gift of evangelism 
who may be told to hold an office in, in the church uh, as far as evangelism goes, but we, we can't just say that person alone is, is the evangelist in our church, just like we're not going to say that uh, your, your pastor is the only person that's going to open up God's Word and, and share what it, what it means to other people in our community. It's, it's our, our job collectively as a church to be evangelists in our community, in our families, and even in our workplaces. Yeah, absolutely. And and the, I think the other thing that we see with the gift of evangelism, man, there are some people that they can't help but every single person that they come into contact with, they're sharing the gospel, right? Mm. It's the Great Dane approach. If you've ever run into a, a friendly Great Dane, it's mm. like that dog is in your face, right, with, with just joy and happiness. And there are some people, they're in the grocery store line, they're, they're sharing the gospel. They're at the gas station pumping gas. The person on the other end of the 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 pump there, they're going to be hearing the gospel too. It's that they can't help it and that there's just that God has gifted them with that ability to see that and, and to, to seize those opportunities. But Kellen, as you think of, of all of our responsibility, uh, what's maybe one, one text or one passage that's really well known in the church that is one of the, maybe one, some of the last words that Jesus said to the church yeah. that might show us that, that evangelism is really something for all of us, not just for somebody that might have a, a gift of evangelism. Yeah, we go right to the Great Commission, uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, but specifically verse 19 says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So when Jesus is saying that, he's not saying, hey, you that have the gift or you that you know are, are surrounded by a lot of people. It's every disciple, every Christian is to go therefore and make other the disciples, and so that means sharing the gospel, and we all have a job to do, and we all need to take honor in that, that our Lord and Savior, God, creator of the earth, is going to use us as a vessel to go out and glorify Him, as opposed to looking at it as, man, I got one more thing to do, or one more difficult conversation. It's like, man, I, I get the opportunity to do this. I'm fired up about it. I'm excited about it. We all have the fear, and we all have those butterflies in our stomach, but Put that aside and look at the work that I get to do for God and the work to lead other people to eternal sal- salvation is, is there's nothing better when you think about it. Right. And so it's it's really it's it boils down to our, our obedience to the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, that the Great Commission is is a command that's been given. Um, some want to argue, well, that was only to the original 12. Well, that's defeatable by saying, what did he say right after that? He said, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, which would include the Great Commission. So uh, you know, we can even by extension there say that this applies to all of us. And so if we're to be fully obedient to the Lord, if we're to look at, at what he wants us to be doing, no matter who you are, if you are a follower of Christ, God wants you men to be involved in evangelism, sharing the gospel, making disciples, um, spreading uh, uh, the, the, the good news of, of your testimony, of what God has done in your life. Let's talk about some mission fields that all of us have. We think of the mission field, sometimes we think, you know, Bora Bora. We think somewhere far away. We think, you know, something that missionaries that are, are supported go and do. But all of us have mission fields. And I think the first one is the mission field of our home. Kellen, talk to us about, uh, you've got kids at home. Yeah. And so how is the home for us as men specifically? How is that one of our first mission fields? Yeah, so talking about kids and thinking about our kids, they're non-believers. Um, and they're not converted, and this is an opportunity. These are gifts that God has placed in our homes. Um, so, yeah, we don't have to go outside our doors. We should be sharing the gospel with them, and we should be intentional about it and thinking about how do I make sure that I'm training my child up in, in the Word, right, um, and not 
getting so focused on what activities are they going to do, what sports are they going to play. It's like before they go to school, like how much time have we spent in the Word? Because that's going to build their foundation uh, for them to go out and for them to really know Christ and for, for them hopefully um, and prayerfully to be saved. Uh, but if we continue to just not be intentional about that, then that time can pass, and then we give other people the opportunity to share uh, their worldview to our children. Right, and influence them negatively, and we're seeing that in a lot of the school systems now, for sure. But, you know, men, if, if you are, uh, if, if your family is, is connected to a great church and you've got a, a strong kids' men program, you know, praise God for that. But it is not their job primarily to, uh, to evangelize your kids. You know, God has, has put that responsibility on your shoulders, men. Uh, it's not your wife's job to primarily evangelize your kids. You need to take the lead on that. You need to be spearheading those efforts. Um, and so talking about, yeah, spending time with them, reading the Word is important, um, modeling things, praying is important to, to, to show them those things. But like Kellen just said, your children are not saved. Uh, they are unbelievers. They need Jesus Christ. And so just as we would with any other believer, it's important that we continually rehearse the gospel with them. Make sure that they understand uh, their depravity. Make sure that they understand their sinfulness. Make sure that they understand that they need a Savior. Make sure that they understand that God is holy. Make sure that they understand that, that Jesus came to earth to save them from their sins, that, that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, not just for sin in general, but for their sins. Um, you know, continually lay these things before them, preach these things to them. Don't let your kids, don't export evangelizing your children to the church or anywhere else. Uh, you need to make sure that, that you are taking the lead in that and, and in those efforts. Uh, how about the, the neighborhood? Uh, Pastor Hayden, talk to us about how we can view our neighborhood as another mission field. Uh, one of the interesting, two, actually two inter- interesting things about neighborhoods uh, in, in the 21st century, especially here in Southern California, one is the, the uh, growing globalization uh, of the world. You know, you, in, your, in your backyard, in your neighborhood, you have people from, from many different countries. But uh, another aspect to look at is, is here, especially in Southern California, there are so many neighborhoods that have gates or that have signs, no soliciting, or, you know, if you're not a, a member of this neighborhood, you can't walk around this neighborhood, you can't be involved in the community life here. And so what we have to do is look at our neighborhoods oftentimes like they are their own closed communities where you, uh, because you have a home there, have this added uh, opportunity um, and, and even an added responsibility to be the evangelist in your neighborhood because you could be the only person uh, in the city or in your church that can reach the neighborhood that you are living in. And I think you need to capitalize on that and you need to understand that God has put you in this place for this time to do the work of an evangelist. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, along those lines, men, you need to embrace as part of your identity as a follower of Christ that you are a missionary. Uh, and if you are married and, and your wife is a believer, that you as a, a couple are uh, missionaries in the neighborhood that God has dropped you into. And he's put you there for a reason. As Pastor Hayden was just saying, you have access to your neighbors that other people in your church don't have access to. You have access to them that, that, uh, that some of the, the, the preachers that you podcast, they don't have access to. They can't reach them. And so we can't be waiting for somebody else to come alongside you know, our, our neighbor across the street and, and reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God wants you to be the one that's going to reach them for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Kellen, how can we do that? What are some ways practically that we can engage with neighbors in, in a way to begin to uh, see lost come to faith in Christ? Because we don't want to stand outside our front door with a turn or burn sign. But what does that look like? How can we engage them? How can we even use our homes to reach the lost in our neighborhoods? Uh, I think one way is 
just being intentional about your conversations. Um, oftentimes we have these surface level conversations with our neighbors and it's like, hey, what are you guys doing today? And it's a Sunday morning. You're like, oh, nothing, just, you know, relaxing. And it's like, well, you're not relaxing. You're headed to church and uh, you're about to go fellowship. And, and being able to express that to your neighbors and having that be an open door for conversations because you know, what I found is when you're intentional about those responses and, and you hear it typically on a Monday, like, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Like, I, I went to church on Sunday and, and let me tell you a little bit about that. Well, you asked me the question and so now I get the opportunity to share what I did. Um, so being intentional about the conversation is one, and then also just serving, serving your neighbor, serving your neighborhood, uh, being able to invite neighbors over for dinner so then you can get them into your home, you can serve them, you can uh, you know, just provide food and, and fellowship and time of conversation, but then being, being intentional about how can I get to the gospel during this conversation? How can I start to introduce them um, uh, their need for the gospel, as you talked about depravity earlier, like they should be able to see, like I, I have a big problem with sin and inviting them into our homes allows for that as opposed to sometimes when you're just trying to do it in front of the house and the driveway. Those are quick conversations, but bringing them into your home uh, yeah. can help too. Yeah, and not only is your neighborhood a mission field, your home a mission field, guys, your dinner table is a mission field. Um, it's an opportunity to have people over. I mean, if we follow the example of Jesus, he ate and, and dined with the tax collectors and the sinners, right? He was was engaging with them. And you look at, at food in Scripture, and there's a, a, an intimacy that's around the, the table. There's a fellowship around the table. You think of the Last Supper with the disciples uh, around the table, um, engaging in food. That that has even carried over today, I think, and, and we can understand that in our culture and our society. Inviting a neighbor over to dinner is a, is a great way to begin to uh, to have those gospel opportunities with them and to look for those opportunities to, to steer the conversation to Christ, to steer the conversation to the gospel. Um, that is, is hugely uh, important. That's a neglected area, I think, of our uh, outreach uh, to the lost in our neighborhoods is, is getting them inside our home. Uh, we're comfortable with them on the outside, like you were saying, Kellen. We're comfortable with them on the perimeter, um, but we don't want to let them inside our, our kitchens, so to speak, literally um, inside to, to have to engage with them in, in a really uh, intense way and, and, uh, and be vulnerable with them. So yeah, home, neighborhood, um, workplace. Uh, Pastor Hayden, uh, talk to us about evangelism in the workplace. That's a, that's a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah, it can be, it can be really tricky. You know, there, there are companies who uh, have a little bit more animosity towards the gospel, and then there, there are companies that are more open about it or may have some more implicit rules about how you're supposed to act and how you're supposed to, to talk and have discussions uh, at work. But uh, some things to, to take note of, uh, two things that I would ask you to take note of when you're in the workplace is, one, how are you treating your coworkers during uh, the time you're at work? And then, and then two is, how are you leveraging your lunch hour to have engaging conversations with, with people uh, in, in your workplace? So one of the things that I would challenge all the men to do is never eat lunch alone. You need, to, you need to use your lunch hour to both build relationships and create gospel opportunities at work. And, and even if you can't do it uh, while you're sitting in, in your cubicle, you're sitting in your office, or you're out driving around, whatever your job is, you can use your lunch hour as your opportunity, your golden opportunity to have a gospel conversation with people at your work. That's gold right there, man. You're looking for practical application. Never eat lunch alone right there. Boom. Gold. Um, uh, practice the Mike Pence rule on that one though. So, uh, just to throw that one out there for any of you guys of who course. know what that might be, but, but be intentional. Never eat lunch alone. I love that. Be intentional with that lunch hour. Kellen, you work 24 hour fitness. You work in the, in the corporate world. How does gospel and, and how does the the act of sharing the gospel, what does that look like for you in your workplace? 
Yeah, it starts building with building relationships with people. So uh, typically, to your point, Pastor Hayden, you're not just going to walk up to somebody's cubicle and say, hey, let me share the gospel, and they have no idea who you are. And so it starts with building those relationships, being intentional about them, and yeah, trying to get them off of the work campus and try to get them to lunch, try to get them to your home where you have the opportunity to build the relationship and then be able to share the gospel. And I think just three things just to keep in mind when we're sharing the gospel is, one, knowing that foundationally, like, you know, you have the Holy Spirit within you and you're strong. And so it's not going to rock your faith to share the gospel is one. And then the second part of it is uh, being comfortable with the uncomfortable. So it's not ever comfortable for anybody to just go share the gospel, but the more and more you do it, then the more comfortable it gets. And then lastly, focus on the positive. So often we go to the negative, like, what if they yell at me or what if they never talk to me again? But what if that person gets saved? Uh, And we need to focus on that every time we share the gospel. Yeah, that's that's great, man. Such a great uh, mind shift there, right? Is uh, you know the the payoff the payoff is worth the risk. You know, if if you get mocked, if you get shut down, whatever. But if they get saved, man, that's another soul in eternity, right? That's uh, that's worth it for sure. Well, guys, this has been hopefully uh, helpful for you. Again, Christmas season right around the corner. Uh, people are willing to talk about Jesus around this time of year. I mean, this is something that still even with uh, with our culture's uh, continued aversion to, to things about Christianity and the church, this is a time of year when people understand that, that Jesus is a part of this. Um, and so seize upon these opportunities to share the gospel with people uh, this year, this, this Christmas season. But then also keep in mind, like we've been just talking about, just your reality is that you men are missionaries. Uh, you are on mission for Jesus Christ. You are under the the call, the great commission to go and make disciples, to share the gospel with those who need salvation. So think about your home. Think about your neighborhoods. Think about your workplace. Hopefully you can take some of the things that we've been talking about and put them into practice, and we will certainly be praying for you this week as you strive to do so.